0: What does it mean to be followers of Jesus, to love and be loved by God and neighbour in Luton at this particular moment? And so I just want to share a few of my thoughts about this. But when I thought of this, one of the things that came into my mind as I thought about us, especially as as a, a body of followers of Jesus, were these pictures that I took at the weekend away nearly two years ago now. They just still evoke to me something so important that even now through all the more difficult year that we've had and probably still to come we are still being built together as living stones so those boxes represented ourselves and what we bring our uniqueness but we're being built together and I think a community of people that look out for one another that give to one another that care for one another love one another and are built into that temple and that living stones, it's more relevant than ever as we think about how we love one another, care for one another, but also as lights to the world, as we love one another and love others, we become the light of Jesus. And so I thought these pictures were so relevant still to the fact that God is still building us in this time virtually, even though we're not really seeing each other very much, We're still being built by God's spirit together as a community. And we're talking about love. And I thought I have to go back to those passages in John where Jesus talks about love so clearly, so often. And said, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. He said to the disciples, now remain in my love. And I've made you known to them. And that meant the disciples, as Jesus prayed in John 17, and will continue to make you known. That means to people after the disciples, in other words, us, that the love you have for me may be in them, meaning in us, and I myself may be in them. So Jesus's spirit lived in the disciples and in us. The bedrock of our faith really is knowing that God loves us. And I know that Understanding and recognising the love of God has been a journey for me and probably is for all of us. As much as I love my parents and thought they were great, they were a little bit unpleasable. They were a little bit finger wagging. And I think I transferred a lot of that onto God that, yeah, God wasn't, you know, unconditional love was a bit of an elusive concept for me, really, when I felt all that God really looked at was the things I did wrong all the time or I failed again or I've done that wrong again. And to learn that there's no condemnation and love doesn't keep a record of wrongs has been a journey throughout my life. I've peeled off sort of layer after layer after layer of things that have got in the way and obscured that love that God has for me and us. But it is the bedrock of our faith. And Jesus wants us as his disciples to know that we're loved. Beyond that, by this will all men know that you're my disciples. If you love one another, there's something that characterizes us as followers of Jesus is our love for one another, as a body, as a group of believers together. But something that's different, Jesus said, love your enemies. And we we know that passage. You know, people who aren't Christians know that passage so well. Because there is a quality of love that goes beyond just loving those who are easy to love, like, you know, your friends and family, but loving people that don't like you, or that persecute you, or who are different to you. That makes us sons of our Father in heaven. As a small group, a few turns ago, we read Brennan Manning's book, The Furious Longing of God. And that, I think, brought a fresh revelation peeling off one of those layers that have obscured God's love a little bit and made it fresh again God's love and furious longing for us and I just wanted to read a short section from it it's the kingdom that he Jesus proclaimed to be nothing more than a community of men and women who go to church on Sunday take an annual spiritual retreat read their bibles every now and then vigorously oppose abortion don't watch x-rated movies Never use vulgar language, smile a lot, hold doors open for people and get along with everybody. Is that why Jesus went through the bleak and bloody horror of Calvary? Is that why he emerged in shattering glory from the tomb? Is that why he poured out his Holy Spirit on the church to make nicer men with better morals? The gospel is absurd and the life of Jesus meaningless unless we believe that he lived, died and rose again with one purpose in mind, to make brand new creations. Not to make people with better morals, but to create a community of prophets and professional lovers, men and women who would surrender to the mystery of the fire of the spirit that burns within, who would live in ever greater fidelity to the omnipresent word of God, who would enter into the center of it all, the very heart and mystery of Christ, into the center of the flame that consumes and purifies and sets everything aglow with a peace joy, boldness, and extravagant, furious love. That book, and I think in his life, he has got to the core and experienced something of God's acceptance of him and the fact that God loved him despite his life with unconditional love. That is so important. And from that, we go out and love others in a completely different way, not just as people with good morals, but brand new creations created differently, loving in a different way as new creations by the Spirit. So Jesus said, follow me. What does that mean? Well, it means knowing we're loved by God and then loving others. One of the things that comes to my mind when I think, well, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, Who did Jesus follow? What did Jesus do? Well, Jesus said very clearly to his disciples that he followed the Spirit. The Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. You could maybe think of Jesus as on his 30th birthday, thinking, okay, I've got three years. I've got three years to completely change the world. And in the first year, I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to visit all these different places and I'm going to preach the gospel here. I'm going to heal absolutely everybody. And then the second year, I'll go to all those other places that I missed in the first year, make sure I've got everything covered, heal everyone, preach the gospel to everyone. You know, when he has his three-year plan and then he goes to the cross. And, you know, from what we read in, in scripture, it just wasn't like that day after day. He met with God and did what the Spirit told him to do. He went to the people, the places that he was led, almost not having a a driven agenda by his own need to fulfill what God had given him to do, but just day by day saying, "Okay, what's the Father doing? What does he want me to do today? I think that's part of following Jesus is walking with the spirit and letting the spirit change us and lead us into the things he wants us to do so that there isn't the pressure to be doing what everybody else is doing or doing everything to please God, but listening and saying, okay, you've told me to do this, you've told me to change this, you've told me to speak to this person and and walk in in that way. The spirit, as we read from the, the scriptures, led Jesus to spend his time with so many different people, outcasts from his society. The gospel stories make a lot of the fact that Jesus spent time with tax collectors and sinners. The Pharisees, you know, called him a glutton and a drunkard just because he spent time with people who might have been like that. He gave his time to the poor, accepted Samaritans and people that were generally not accepted by Jewish people. And he healed lepers, he healed the mentally ill, people who were disabled. He gave a lot of time to women and a lot of acceptance to them in perhaps a culture where they weren't as important as men. And so we see him reaching out and the spirit, taking him to affirm those people that felt unloved and unwanted. And so our journey Of following the Spirit. Jesus is going to challenge us in our love for those around us. We've got different nationalities, ethnicities, different political persuasions, different life choices and circumstances. And I think one of the first things challenges our minds and our attitudes towards people. And obviously last year we had the Black Lives Matter issue that challenged many churches in their perceptions and their attitudes and treatments of black minority ethnic groups within the church. I felt God challenged me in my love for different people. I mean, even people within my own family. I remember when I was first a Christian in my teenage years, God used the story of Mary and Martha to really challenge me in the way I treated my sister. She's my little sister, you know, you can treat your little sisters badly. And that story just made me think, gosh, Martha treated Mary so badly and I'm treating my sister so badly. And God challenged me in my love for my sister. And I knew I had to change my attitude to her and the way I treated her. We all come across people at work who we may find difficult or who are in management and their decisions we don't agree with. What's our attitude and love? Towards them. There's often been times when God's challenged me about a particular colleague, and I go with the flow in terms of complaining about them or management or another rubbish decision from management. And I felt challenged to have a different attitude, not to say that everything they do is great, but just show more love and compassion and understanding and not flag them off like everybody else does. I remember in a small group when we were reading, I think, the Brennan Manning book, Andrew said that he'd felt challenged about his attitude towards politicians, especially people like Trump, and I mean we've all had four years of sort of trump bashing. It's good fun to slag him off. but what would it look like to love him in the way that Jesus does? to have an attitude that's more godly doesn't mean we have to accept everything he believes or condones. but what does it mean for God to change our attitude even to someone? that we may disagree with in their policies and their behaviour. I think God wants to challenge us in the way we love people. And I remember about 20 years ago, I went to Bolivia and to work with street kids and I just found it really, really difficult to love them. They were never grateful for anything you did. They took advantage of you at every turn. And I definitely found that I lost my love for them very quickly. I never really broke through in just finding an empathy and a love for them. I think that God does challenge us throughout our lives, will take us on that journey of loving people we find difficult to love and sort of pushing us beyond our boundaries to care for people and love people in the way he did and go the extra mile for people that we may not like or agree with. And I think this is the kind of love that marks us out as different, the kind of love that can forgive your ex-wife and things like that, you know, a kind of love that comes from God. Jesus followed the Spirit and made it clear that we were to do the same. When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He won't speak on his own, he'll speak only what he hears. And I think Jesus wanted the disciples to know that we would have the Spirit Who would help us in that journey of loving and knowing what God wanted us to do? You know, I followed the spirit. Now you follow the spirit, taking us on that journey of loving each other and loving the world around us. There was one thing that God said to me many, many years ago, just sort of spoke a word into my mind, as I'm sure you may have experienced yourself from time to time. He said, give yourself to me and let me give you to others. As I look at this, I do find it interesting that God said, first of all, give yourself to me. Because if he had just said, give yourself to others, I could have gone round and felt obliged to help everybody, go out of my way to do everything, to help other people and run myself ragged, doing everything for everybody else. This shows that, In a way, our first priority is giving ourselves to God and saying, God, here I am. You give me to the people that you want me to. You let me follow your spirit into the places where you particularly want me to love. I think that we each particularly have things that God wants us to do. Now, I had a heart for young people and I still have a heart for street kids, but I just don't think really it was what God was asking me to do. And I didn't have the grace for it, but I can still serve in other ways. I can still give. I can still support the ministry and love in that way. And thinking maybe about Azalea, I really appreciate what they do in serving people in Luton and caring for women. But it wouldn't be what I could do and isn't what God's asked me to do. But... I can support, I can pray, I can give financially. And there are ways that we can love, but there are specific things that God has put on our heart. Not that we can say, well, God's told me to love this person, but not this person. It doesn't work like that. But there are particular things that God puts on our hearts to do. There's this verse from the parable where the king causes people to him and says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you visited me. There are different things going on here and different things that people did to meet the needs of people around them and different ways that they showed their love to people. The thing for me was the one, I was a stranger and you invited me in. I think more sort of latterly, after I'd sort of done youth work and things, I felt God saying, It's time for a change. There's something new I want you to do. And that's where it led me into teaching English as a foreign language. But in a way, it kind of made sense of a lot of things that were already part of me. I'd studied languages at university. I loved traveling. I loved cultures. And in a way, it sort of tapped into that which God had put within me of welcoming the stranger and meeting their needs. So, meeting their need for English. a start. And sort of over the past 20 years that I've been doing that, and most of it in Luton, I've just enjoyed meeting people of other nationalities as friends, helping them to feel welcome, settle into the UK, know that they are welcomed and have friends here and people who look out for them. And in my job, where I teach every day people to speak English, I just try to do my best for them, help them in the best way I can, giving them what they need for their daily language needs and communication needs, but just take an interest in them as who they are and their stories and listen to them. And God's just put a grace and a love in me, particularly, I think, for people from other nationalities and people who are strangers wanting to make people feel welcomed and included. More recently, there's been a group of refugees that have come to Luton as part of the government resettlement scheme and through Laura. And I think Sam sent me an email as well. And Hazel telling me uh, that this group were in town. I've been able to get involved a little bit there, sort of providing, particularly as a sort of liaison, trying to gather needs, things that uh, a particular lady needs who's just had a baby. I've really enjoyed doing that over the past few months. It's been great to have people from the church saying, yeah, I've got things I can give, I've got things. And I think, you know, in my bigger picture for me, what I'd love to see in Luton is a real place of welcome, a place where any new people to Luton can come and feel welcomed and helped. You know, welcome centre sounds a bit sterile, but a place where people know that they can find the help they need and be listened to and accepted. I think that's the particular thing that God's put in my heart and the spirit has particularly led me into. And it may be different for everybody. Whatever it is that God particularly leads us into in terms of loving the society around us and people around us, it's valued. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. I think often the tendency can be to compare ourselves with other people. Oh, well, they're doing that and they're doing that. And, you know, maybe I should be doing that. You know, she works with homeless. Maybe I should be working with homeless, you know, and it's just another thing that we're not doing for God. But I don't think Jesus ever wanted it to be like that. We are to love people in our attitudes, whether it's people in our family, people in our church family, people in our society and give when we can. But... I think there are some things that particularly God's Spirit leads us to do, and it's different for each of us. I don't do what David does. David doesn't do what I do. And so I think, you know, the disciples compared themselves with each other. And Jesus said to to Peter, what does it matter if John's doing this and you're doing that? Just do what I've given you to do. So we can't heap on ourselves condemnation for not doing everything or doing what other people are doing. And just thinking about what this could look like now during coronavirus, I was ill and you made me meals. I was isolating and you did my shopping. I needed clothes for my baby and you gave me some. I had no money for a school uniform and you gave me one for free. People found me hard to work with, but you reached out to me. I was trafficked and you helped me start a new life. I didn't deserve it, but you went the extra mile. I didn't see much worse in myself, but you invested your time in me. These things are part of what the spirit would lead us into. Small things may be insignificant, but whatever we do from the love that God puts in us is valued and is part of being made that new creation. Those professional lovers that love, even when people don't love us back, just because God's Spirit compels us to look around us and and love other people. So, to finish up, it's so important that our basis is knowing that we're loved. And we may never stop going along that journey of peeling back the layers that help us reach the heart, knowing that we're loved by God and being able to rest in that. And I think following Jesus means follow the Spirit as Jesus did and let him lead us to love those around us, both in changing our attitudes and minds towards different people, people in our society and in our church and in our family. But we do it in our own way. The Spirit will lead us each differently. And if there's a particular area or people group or way in which God wants us to love that's particular to us and the way that we're wired, then let's find that and do that and not compare ourselves with others.